0: Welcome to the Unteachables podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and I am absolutely no stranger to the challenges and let's face it, sometimes carnage of being a teacher. And if you found yourself, here listening with me, I'd say that you might know a bit about that as well, because being a teacher is friggin' hard. And this podcast is dedicated to making you feel a hell of a lot less alone whilst giving you the knowledge, support and strategies that you need to not just survive the chaos of being a teacher, but truly really thrive. Think about it as getting a weekly dose of relatable, actionable, and most importantly, enjoyable professional learning straight into your ears. So hit the subscribe button, download me for your commute, and let's get into it. Hello everyone, I am Claire, this is the Unteachables podcast and in this episode I really just wanted to wrap up the year and reflect on the year that was and have a big chat about it. I was just in the bathroom listening to, I know, it sounds really weird, I feel like I speak about being in the shower in the bathroom a lot but that's the only kind of time I get at home to like listen to a podcast while I'm getting ready. And this morning I thought I'd put on while I was getting ready for the day, put on the episode of my podcast from the end of 2022, where I wrapped up 2022 and looked into, uh, 2023 and you know what the year was going to hold and talking about all the things. Oh my gosh. Honestly, when I was listening to myself talk about what 2023 would be like, I could hear the anxiety. I could hear the trepidation, because there was so much, I remember that feeling standing at the end of 2022, looking into 2023, thinking, how the hell am I going to pull this off? How the hell am I going to do this? I'm an idiot. There's no way I should have taken all of this on, but there's no way that I couldn't have done so because there were so many opportunities that I needed to kind of seize. And it was like listening to a different version of myself It was just this, time capsule. And I really wanted to redo an episode like that because it's so interesting listening to that for starters. And it was just, it's just so nice to be able to kind of like have that as a marker in time for the business, for everything that I'm doing in this space. And hopefully I'll look back in 10 years time when I've kept the unteachables going for a while. And you know, again, I'll be able to look back and go, Oh my gosh, look how much has changed. So much can change in one year and I think this year is a freaking testament to that. I also got really emotional listening to the episode this morning because I was talking about Ava Um, as if I hadn't, like, I hadn't met Ava yet. So I was talking about like when my little girl arrives and what's that going to be like. And I just wasn't sure what motherhood would be like, or who she was going to be. And I think looking back now, she's 11 months old now. And looking back at that time, I was like, it makes me really emotional to hear myself talking about her in that way. So I guess let's start in January and all of the things that have happened since then. I woke up on January the 1st on New Year's morning feeling anxious. I felt panicked. I felt, I just remember this feeling of franticism when like in that in-between period of going on maternity leave and then from work and then needing to like then obviously having my baby. And the reason I felt so frantic during that time is because I knew that I like in 2023, I had to re-release my course that'll teach him. And in that re-release, I was completely redoing the course. I knew that I had to write the book. I knew that I was having a baby. And as much as I hate to admit it, I saw Ava as a bit of a ticking time bomb, like she was coming at some point and I needed to cram as much work as I possibly could cram in before she was born. Because when she was born, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I had the capacity or the time or anything to be able to tick off the things on my list that I needed to tick off throughout the year. And looking back now, I just want to shake myself because I wish that I took the time to rest. And maybe if I rested, the the birth would have gone differently. Uh, Maybe I would have kept her inside for longer. Maybe she wouldn't have been so keen to come out and, and force me to rest. But I wish I could go back and just say, sleep, rest. You have no idea what's ahead of you. So I woke up on January the first with that same feeling of franticism. I was trying so hard to organize. I I organized three months of Instagram content in advance to be and and scheduled it. So every single day for three months, I had something posting on Instagram without me being there because I was like, I just didn't want that to slip. I was so worried about everything slipping that I'd worked so hard for. Once David came along, so I was frantically preparing all of that stuff. January the 1st and January the 2nd, I worked 16 hour days because I needed to get everything done. I actually thought in my mind, because statistically speaking, the first baby comes late and most babies, the first babies come like one to two weeks late. And by late, I mean just that they come at 42 weeks um, instead of 40 weeks. So I thought I had all of this time, right? At the time when it was January the 1st, I was 37 weeks pregnant or not even 36 and a like 36 plus six or something. So I wasn't even 37 weeks pregnant yet. So if she came on January the 1st, she would have been premature. So I actually thought I had all of this time. So I mapped out the entire start of January thinking that she was going to come at the end of January and she was due on the 19th. And I even booked in schools to work with. So I had a few schools booked in to run professional learning with on like the 15th, 16th and 17th of January. And I did say to them when I booked them in, just letting you know, it might not happen because I'm pregnant and I will be quite heavily pregnant by that point, but it'll be fine. I'm sure it will be fine. She's not going to come until the end of Jan. So I really did think that I had all of this time. So I was working really, really hard. And I said to myself, okay, on the 7th of January, which is a couple of weeks before her due date, I'm going to stop working and I'm going to go on my like maternity leave. Finally, I'm going to rest. I'm going to take time to myself. I'm going to lay on the lounge. I'm going to read. I'm going to sleep and all of the things. So that's what I told myself. But then at 2am on January the 3rd, Ava popped my waters at 37 weeks. I think it was 37 weeks exactly. So she wasn't um, premature, luckily. And then she just popped my waters before I went into labor and that's really rare to happen. It doesn't happen very often. I think it's like 2% of pregnancies you get, a uh, your, your water's breaking preterm, um, like, sorry, pre-labor. So I really do think that she was like, mom, you have to friggin' stop. I can't do, I can't deal with this stress anymore. And then from the sex, so I worked up until 11 PM that night. I went to bed at two o'clock and then I woke up two hours later to this massive gush. Sorry if that's a little bit graphic. And then obviously my life changed from that moment. It was an absolute whirlwind. I'd planned a home birth and I couldn't do the home birth because my waters had broken. And that again, threw a massive spanner in the works. The birth itself was really challenging because no, I wasn't expecting to go into hospital to begin with, but luckily I packed my bags like the day before. So we went into hospital and because she would popped my waters, I had to go on um, a cannula in antibiotics. And then I had to get induced because, you know, it wasn't something that we could wait on. Like they were saying that there was a potential for infection. So all of these things happened that I didn't have control over. And I guess that was my first taste of like, I really can't control everything in my life as, as much as I really want to. There's no control over this birth and I just have to surrender to it. And I think there's a lot of um, surrendering when you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant, having a baby and, and all the rest of it. So I just had to surrender to that. And then she was born and I met my little girl and oh my God, I'm going to get teary thinking about it. It's um, it's amazing. And I And she came on the 4th of January. So I was in labor for 40 hours or so before she was born. The birth was um a little bit traumatic, but you know I don't have to speak about that here, but then she was born, and she was perfect, and you know just yeah, I my life changed from that moment, and I was a different person from that moment, everything like my priorities changed, and um you know, I saw everything so differently, so I bought a home, everything was wonderful, and then she ended up getting jaundice and um, that was quite scary. We were in hospital twice with her having jaundice for that first two weeks and she had to have light therapy, which isn't, you know, like it's really common, but um, it's really alarming when you're getting it done because you've got this baby you want to be attached to 24-7 and then all of a sudden they have to be in a box naked with just a nappy on blindfolded under the light for 24 hours. And you can't hold them as much as you want to, like they have to stay under that light. So that was really traumatic. And I took time off work. James was only off work for two weeks. And it was really hard because we didn't get to settle in home until that two week mark. So we came home and then he went back to work the next day. And then I took some time off work. I took time off the unteachables. I was just in the newborn bubble, but then the four weeks old mark hit. And I'm like, I need to crack on with work now. I I need to get started because I've got the book to write. That's not going to write itself. I can't just hide under a blanket with Ava for the next six months, as much as I'd like to, because I need to get this done. That'll teach them course. I need to get that done. I need the income from that. I need to be able to like make that the best it possibly can. I'm not comfortable with how it, how it is at the moment. So I had all of this work to do. So I had to get started. I had to crack on. So she was four weeks old and then I spent the next three months, every single nap time that every single nap time she was in the carrier. I was in the kitchen. I was rocking her standing up with the extractor fan going for white noise and I was working on the iPad and I was either redoing the That'll Teach Him course or I was writing parts of the book. And at that time, things with Ava, so the, probably the March period, um, so she was three months old and things started to get harder and harder and harder to manage with her. In the start, she's a newborn. She's four weeks old. I can have the laptop on my, I can have the um, the iPad on my lap as she's sleeping on me and I can, you know, do a bit of work here and there, but then it gets harder because I start to wake up to the world and, you know, the the wake windows get longer. So I found it really challenging and I had no family around. We've got no family here. Everybody is on the other side of the world. I had no friends that were around to support me. Um, And that's when I had my first kind of breakdown of sorts of thinking, I can't, physically do this. Like, even if my will is there, my want is there, I, I can't physically do this. This book isn't going to happen. And I remember saying to James, maybe I need to either cancel the course. I can't release the course or I need to maybe to say, I can't do this book. And this was a dream of mine. And the opportunity to write a book and be published was like, it's just incredible. You know, I can't let this go. But at that time I was like, I can't Physically, do this. There's no time to do this. We've got no support to do this. He was back at work full time. It was just me here with Ava trying to work full time hours to be able to get this stuff done. And that's also when we did. People ask why I'm moving back home. And this is why we decided at this point that we needed to move back home. So we're moving back to New Zealand in February. I realized that I couldn't do this anymore. I needed my people around. I need my friends. I need my family. And there's only so much FaceTime you can do. Like you need people physically there with Ava. Anyway, so that was a pretty dark period of the year as much as, and I hate saying that because in amongst all of that difficulty and it's kind of clouded things, but I was also getting to know my baby and oh my God. And she's just a little miracle. You know, I, I love her so much and I was trying just to be the most present mum when she was awake and obviously her nap time I just hate it because I used to think I need her to nap because I need to work and that is a massive regret that I have I know that I needed to get the work done that I needed to get done but on reflection it is really hard to kind of get my head around that um but anyway I got to April I somehow spent all of that time and all of that energy redoing the course, redesigning that will teach them, making it the best course that I possibly could at the time, making it a course that I'm proud to release to people and proud to run and a course that I know is going to create massive leaps in people's practice and teaching and something that was really aligned with my values in that. I was so proud of this course and finally I got to release it in April I was so excited. I welcomed over a hundred of you into the course. I felt like when I was delivering, I remember that welcome session that I did, that introductory session. If you were there, I remember delivering that. And at the time James took Ava every single Sunday. I released every single Sunday for eight weeks. I ran that course live and every single Sunday, James would take Ava out for a daddy daughter morning and I would run the course. During that time, you have no idea when I was delivering that course to you. I felt like I was coming home to myself in a lot of ways. I felt like I was myself again. I was so connected to what I was wanting to do. And I feel, I felt in that moment, okay, being a mother is a part of my identity, but it's not my whole identity. And I need to be doing this work as well. It was incredible, but I started the book deadline coming up. On top of that, I keep forgetting I also had my wedding in Greece that I was trying to plan at the same time. I had no dress. So this was May. And so April, May, June, I was getting married in June and May came, April, May came around. I didn't have a wedding dress. I didn't have a plan for the wedding. Nothing was booked in. So I just had to get a dress on ASOS. I remember just one day ordering a bunch of dresses on ASOS, getting them delivered. I tried the first one on and I went, yep, that'll do. I did like it, but it was just kind of like an impulse. I need to get a dress for my wedding. Otherwise I'm going in my jeans. Like, it was just, you know, something that was really needing to happen. So I got a dress, uh, whatever dress it was, I ended up liking it, but got the first one that I tried on. Um, I was still – like breast, like I'm still breastfeeding now, but you know, like there was so much that I had to worry about trying on a dress. Ava's vomiting everywhere. You know, it was just, it was just carnage at the time. Um, and I had to hire a wedding planner over in Greece and spend the money because I physically couldn't plan this wedding because it had gotten so late and I knew I wouldn't have the capacity for it. But then June came around and I did get married. We made it to Greece. Unfortunately, Ava was sick on our wedding day from nursery. It was horrific, the poor thing, but we ended up having an amazing day anyway. And in Greece, like I didn't have too many guests at the wedding. We had 10 guests in total Um, and we had my mum there. I had my best friend Carly there, so both of them came from Australia. I had my cousin there. Uh, It was just beautiful to be able to see everybody and then to have – um have them meet Ava and it was just a moment where I went okay this is why I'm going home I need my family around so that was beautiful to be able to have them there and the wedding itself obviously amazing and to be able to kind of bring our family together in that way it was just a beautiful day and and I wouldn't trade that for the world and then we got home and James quit his job. So from July, James had quit his job. He's an industrial designer and he quit his job to stay at home full-time with Ava so I could write the book. And that is a sacrifice that I will be so grateful for forever because if it weren't for him quitting his job, then there's no way that it's never just about the behaviour would exist today. I was working full-time on the book. I would get to, I hired a workspace and I'd get there at 7.30. I'd come home at five. I'd have that entire time writing. And it was obviously doing some bits and pieces for the Unteachables as well, like content and all the rest of it, podcasting. But most of that time was dedicated to the book full-time for two months. And if it weren't for that time, it definitely wouldn't exist. And I'm so grateful for James and he is the most incredible father and they are so close, him and Ava, they are best friends. Um, You know, I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't think about it without crying as well. So September, so that was July and August. I hadn't finished the book yet, obviously that was like, I got a massive chunk of it done, but there was still a lot to get done. But then September rolled around, which is one of the things I was really anxious about too. And I had to go back to work full time. I went back to work as in my role as a senior leader. I was I'm an I'm assistant head at the moment of an alternative provision. So I still do that full time now, but this is where I really started to feel the mother guilt pinch the book still wasn't finished. The deadline was looming. So I was working on it weekends at night, whenever I possibly could have a free moment on top of working full time. And this is the time where I really felt this is a sacrifice. I don't know if I should have made with Ava. I spent as much time as I possibly could with her. I was trying to invest as much as possible at home, but it was just this period of time where I knew I had to just, you know, pedal to the pedal to the floor and just do everything I could to get this done. And again, on reflection, it's a sacrifice that it makes me feel a little bit anxious thinking about regardless, October came, the book deadline came, and I actually made the book deadline. The illustrations, I was working with this brilliant illustrator on the illustrations, and she just brought my vision to life. And those were submitted the day of the manuscript being submitted. So like everything was kind of down to the wire getting that done. And it's really funny because when I spoke to the editor, um, a couple of weeks before the book deadline was, was, there. She's like, I spoke to the publisher, Claire, and I'm telling you now, I can tell you now because you've made all of your deadlines that you, I set my own deadlines by the way, like they were never chasing me for anything. But she said that she'd spoken to the publisher before Ava was born and said, look, we've got this book coming. We've signed on Claire, but I have to tell you now, I'm not expecting her to meet these deadlines because she's having a baby and she's got all this stuff going on. So it's likely that it will not be published in the time that we wanted to be published in. And hearing them say that, I just felt so proud that I was still able to make those deadlines and I was still able to produce the book in the time that I had allotted. And I, just, I still can't believe that I did it. October came, October the 10th. I'll never forget that. I'm really bad with dates. I barely remember anybody's birthday, but October the 10th, the day the manuscript was submitted, I will never forget that day. And then for the rest of the year, November, December, obviously we're in December now, but I'm still working full time. I finish in two weeks, like not just finish for the year, but finish, finish, like finish forever in that job. And this time has just been obviously working on the unteachables. I've just kind of been keeping things afloat. I'm trying to be a little bit more relaxed, but doing the podcast on the weekend, um, keeping up with content as much as I can on Instagram. And we've been planning the move home in the last couple of months. So we've been having to book in the shipping containers. You have no idea how much stuff is involved with moving across the other side of the world. So all of our stuff has to go into a shipping container. It takes a few months to get home. Um, all the flights we've had to organize. We're actually traveling for four months from February. So we travel from Feb 8th and we get back to New Zealand. So we move back to New Zealand and we get there on June the 8th. So it's pretty much exactly four months, um, that we're traveling for. And yeah, gosh, there's just a lot to think about with that as well. Ava will be a year old when we start traveling and, um, parenting is harder at the best of times when you've got all of your stuff around and you create your comfort. So, We're off to Morocco first, and that'll be interesting to see, you know, like what is there for Ava? Like, what is the environment going to be like in the flat? Um, We've got an Airbnb, you know, like we're just doing all of these things I never would have imagined doing. And I just, so yeah, 2024 is going to be an interesting one as well. But what a freaking year 2023 has been. And I think I've said it a couple of times already in this podcast, but when I reflect on the year that has been, I see oh my God, like, I'm so proud of what I've achieved, you know, just having a baby and, you know, having, being a mom and, and adapting to that. Like, I wish I could go back and tell Claire at the start of this year that Ava would be 11 months old and still not be sleeping. <laughs> I would prepare her for that. But when I look back and I see all of the things that I've achieved, the I've completed a book, I've written a book, I'm an author. I, you know, created a a course that I am so proud of this product that I'm so proud of. I've been able to serve hundreds of teachers through, I didn't even say anything, this podcast episode about releasing like three masterclasses, but you know, I've been able to serve so many teachers and support so many teachers through all of the things that I've done, but then have my little girl and raise the most, she is hilarious. She's cheeky. She's active like she's just amazing. I can't I can't even deal with how beautiful she is and every single day she makes me proud to be her mother. And I really hope that if she ever listens to this podcast and I wrote it in my um I wrote it in my acknowledgments as well in the book. I hope that she's proud of me one day for the sacrifice that I've made in her first year of life. I told myself I wouldn't cry. Um, And I hope that I've shown her that everything is possible, but I also wanted to thank everybody here because throughout the year, I've just had so much support for the work that I've done. And, um, and I'm just so grateful for every single teacher who trusts me enough to spend even an 20 minutes of their time listening to a podcast, you know, it takes a lot of trust to be able to listen to a professional and adapt your own practice and apply things and try new things. If you've been a part of the Unteachables Academy in any way, if you've joined a masterclass or if you've done the full course, thank you so much for trusting me to be a part of your teaching journey and you've invested in that. You've paid for my time and and my knowledge and that is huge in itself Um, and I just really, really appreciate everything um, that you've given back to me as well. So in saying that, (laughs) I think I'll wrap it up because I've been talking for a long time. If you've gotten to the end of this podcast and you haven't tuned out from me just rambling on for 25 minutes, uh, feel free to send me a message on Instagram or, or send me an email or something saying hello and tell me what you've gotten from this podcast from the year or something that you've learned from me something that you want to see for 2024 whatever it might be reach out say hello I just I love when it's not just a one-sided conversation and that it's a bit of back and forth and if you have enjoyed the podcast this year can you please go and leave me a review it mean a lot um screenshot it and send it to me if you do because I can only see the ones that um, are here in the UK it's yeah it would really mean a lot to me if you did that because it's hard to get reviews on podcasts I think it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to kind of gather from people um I mean I've been really conscious of leaving people reviews now on podcasts because I know how hard it is to get people to to press that button and to leave a little note. Anyway, I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. We've got one more episode of the podcast next week before the end of the year, and I'm going to be taking a little break. So make sure you tune into that one. It's just about some reminders for the um the God, I can't even talk now. I think I've just I've just gone into a little bit of emotional brain mode and and my thinking brain switched off. Um, we're doing an, I'm doing an episode next week about some reminders for the holidays that are really, really important to be able to take care of your peace and, um, and get yourself into a good mindset for 2024. Okay. Have a lovely week and I'll see you next time.